first of all, I don't think you can have a plan B. You have, it has to be, yeah. it has to be success or nothing. I was going to be a dentist. I was going to go to dental school. I got my degree in biology and you're going to be a dentist left that behind. I didn't have a plan B anymore. It was like, okay, so this is, I don't, you know what, I'm, if I don't, if I don't make it, I don't, I don't know what else I'm going to do. And so I never really had a plan B. So I had to figure out how to make it work. I remember Peyton Manning said something about that one time. He goes, you know, I think he was a choice between Denver and another team. And they said, how do you know you made the right choice? He goes, what if you make the wrong choice? He goes, I'm not going to make the wrong choice because I'm going to make this choice work. Mm. And that's sort of, that's sort of the mentality that you have to have or that I've had to have because, and I still do, I don't have anything else. I have to make this work. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick and I'm pretty intense. Today on the show, we have the writer, director, actor of Buddy Games, Josh Dumel. We, we're very similar in that we're, we're Midwestern kids. He's from North Dakota. I'm from Illinois. Uh, so it was fun to kind of talk about that style of living and um, maybe some of the contrasts between there and Hollywood. And then it was really cool to get into movies because I don't know about anybody else out there, but I don't really understand how they're made and what it takes, but it's really hard. And um, he explains kind of the challenges to getting buddy games made. And then even just the challenges within acting, you know, tapping into characters and what that takes and what that's like. Josh is just a super down to earth, really grounded guy. I mean, he's from North Dakota. What else do I have to say? Uh, He also has another show coming out called Jupiter's Legacy that's uh, about a superhero and it's a TV series that'll be coming out in 2021. So he's a busy guy, but he's making time for slowing down uh, at his cabin in Minnesota and you're going to hear all about that. So enjoy the show. I want to talk about being an awesome Midwesterner and how you're just a good North Dakota boy. Wow. That's, that's so, uh, I am. I am from North Dakota. I still, I still claim North Dakota, uh, even though I haven't. I've actually lived in California now for more than half of my life. Yeah, but it still feels like that's 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 home. And I do spend a lot more time there now than I have in the last twenty years. Wow. Uh, mostly because I have a cabin uh, just on the other side of uh, in over in Minnesota. I, I, so I fly into Fargo a lot. I go back to mine at where I'm from a lot, but I spend a lot of time also at my cabin, which I, you know, especially during all of this, all of this COVID stuff, I've, I just found a respite there. And it's been, it's been, it, it, it really sort of helped me keep my sanity. I was just out there in the mm-hmm. woods by myself with my son, my dad, in just people that I love, friends, family, whoever. And so that's really where I, I, my, my heart is most of the time. LA right now is tough because you just can't do anything. So I agree. And I actually think that part of, you know, something nice that I had this year was that I wasn't in LA very long. Like I ended up leaving LA in June. And so not being in there, not being there for all the drama and there's a lot of energy there and it's not yeah. always the most calm energy. <laughs> no. So I can totally uh, relate to that. I went back to Indiana. And so similarly, like just a quieter town, 
But my yeah. mom's side of the family is all from the border of Minnesota, Canada. So they're from really? Roseau. I know Roseau. Good <laughs> hockey up there. Yeah, hey there. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm so familiar. I've been to Fargo, flown into like, um, what's on the border? Is it International Falls? International Falls is right on the border. It's in Minnesota. That's in Minnesota. Or you talking about Minnesota, right? Yeah, yeah. But I've flown in. I'm, I'm trying to think like where Bemidji, the maybe? airport was. Yeah, oh, been driven through Bemidji many times. When we were yeah. kids, those are like my fondest memories is driving up through. Sometimes we go through Minnesota. Sometimes we go through Wisconsin mm. um, and up through Bemidji. And then you only knew you had three hours left once you passed Bemidji. Okay. So, so you're from Roseau? No, my mom's, my mom's from there. Your mom's from there. Okay. Yeah. So you know the cold weather. Oh, I know Your it well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it does not phase me. It doesn't bother me. Um, it feels so, it, you know, the seasons are great. I mean, yeah. they, they really, there's, there's like a, a reason for the season too. There's, you know, uh, you know, up in, up in that area, they call it snow cats. Mm-hmm. Snowmobiling. Oh yeah. I just bought two of them, by the way, like oh, last really? week. Yeah. How I, many CCs? Are, uh, well, I knew you were going to ask me that. Of course you would ask me that. <laughs> I'm not quite as uh, daring as you are, Danica. So I got, I got, I got 600s. I didn't get, I didn't That's go with perfect. the 850s. Well, listen, my friends who are hardcore snowmobilers are like, you got to get the 850s. Like, I'm not looking to go 175 miles an hour on my snowmobile. Last time I was on one, I flipped it. So I'm just, I'm easing my way into it. So I bought, I bought, uh, I bought a, a Polaris, uh, uh, switchback 600 and I bought a uh, Polaris Indy Adventure, which is like a 550, kind of like a workhorse. So I can, you know, I can go ice fishing with it. I can pull the kids around on, you know, sl sleds and stuff like that. So, you know, if I go out and need to gather some wood for the fire, I can just take that out there and pull it back in the sled. <laughs> it's just like, so normal. I think of that oh, as God. being so normal. I, and I, that that's, that's part of the reason why I love it out there. Honestly. I mean, for, I grew up, in North Dakota and we grew up outside of Minot, which is about 10 miles out. And, and it was, it was, it was like in the country all day long. I was just like catching frogs and turtles and, you know, salamanders and whatever, whatever we could find. And so I, and so this has been kind of like going back to my childhood in a lot of ways, just to be able to get back mm -hmm. out, get back in touch with nature, because I feel like I'm most at peace when I'm out there doing the basic stuff, like chopping wood or, you know, changing tires on the, on the, on the lawnmower that goes flat every year or whatever, you know, I'm just out there doing things. I never, I have a little, I have a yard here in LA and everything's done. Like I don't, I don't even I have a tiny little yard and I don't, I've never mowed it. I go back to my cabin, I mow and I cut like acres of, of <laughs> lawn and cut new trails. And I'm just out there doing stuff that I don't, I don't know what it is, but something happens when I get out there. It's like a different person shows up. And when I come back here, it's like, I, mi I miss it. I'm not able to do the same stuff I'm able to do out there. Are you comfortable in LA? Like, do you feel like yourself? Well, I'm comfortable with the work side of it because I've been doing it now for a long time and I love, I love what I get to do. But as far as the, you know, the lifestyle, not, it's not really for me, mm -hmm. but this is where I kind of have to be in order to, you know, do what I do for a living. So I found a nice balance between going back and forth. Um, the, the kid in me, the, 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 the nature boy that, that I grew up as sort of 
comes roaring back every time I get out there. What do you do for fun in LA then? Like what would be, what makes you feel a little like a kid or a little like home? What do I do here? Um, Other than work, what do you do? I, you know, I don't go to the clubs. I don't really go out. We go dinner. Um, I golf a little bit. Um, You know, I'm mostly just raising my seven-year-old son, you know, and I'm here. And that's pretty much it. Uh, You know, he and I do a lot of stuff. I'm teaching him how to golf. I love taking him out to the cabin because he gets to sort of do some of the stuff I did growing up. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important for him growing up here in L.A. Um, But, yeah, you know, we went swimming today. Um, We draw a lot. He loves to draw. I try to get him to play sports, but he's not really into it yet. So we'll see. Oh, really? So he's more of an artist? I don't know. I'm thinking it'll kick in at some point. But, yeah, right now he's definitely more artsy than he is (laughs) athletic. (laughs) So when you bring him back to Minnesota, is that where the cabin is? Yes. When you bring him back to Minnesota, it's just basketballs, footballs, baseballs, a net, a soccer ball. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the way we grew up is North Dakota. There's not a lot to do, especially in the winter besides play sports. So that's all we really had. Uh, And, and so we would just, that's all we did, whether it was ping pong or, you know, we'd make shit up. We'd be like a balloon ball. Let's play balloon ball. You you go over there. We'd make games up. In LA, it's much different because there's just so much more to do. You know, there's just, you know, typically outside of this, you know, pandemic, uh, there's, there's just, you know, there's a million things that, that kids can do, but I think that you have, they have to find something for me. He needs to play some sport because I feel like you need to be able to, you need to learn how to win. You need to learn how to lose. You need to learn how to be a teammate. You need to go through all those, the struggles, the hard work that it takes to be good at something, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's easy for kids now to sort of get pampered and, and end up, you know, growing up, not having dealt with anything. Mm. I don't want them to, to go through that. What do you think? I was thinking about, you know, him growing up in LA and you probably think, I wish he could grow up in Minnesota or somewhere like that. But what do you think? I mean, I feel like everyone's leaving LA. Yeah. California. People are leaving in it's a mass exodus. Yeah. You know, and they're and, getting it. They're finally getting it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great, this is, it's an amazing state. I just, I disagree with a lot of the things going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not being, it's not, they're not making it very easy to want to stay. If you know what I mean? Mm. Because there's, there's just, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that are sort of repelling people from, realizing they even want to be here anymore because yeah that you know and if you want to get into like all i mean i think this is probably happening in a lot of big cities right now is, is that you know doing what we're doing people can be as productive you know doing a zoom call as they could in person so yeah therefore is there a reason for some of these people to be living in big cities uh it's it's definitely going to be interesting when this thing all sort of blows over what do you think what's your intuition well i think I think it's 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 good in a lot of ways because I do think that people are trying to do kind of what I'm what I what I'm doing too is that they're they're getting back, back to you know back to nature back to the basics they want they want to sort of restart and start fresh and just keep it simple you know I think that we've 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 we get so caught up in all the technology and everything that it makes it 
you know, and I was, I'm the first one that was doing it. I just get caught up in it all. And I don't, I never stop to sort of look around. And I think that this has given us an opportunity to do that, you know, whether it's reconnect with your family or yourself or get back into nature, just go, you know, do some basic stuff that you haven't done for years. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to hurt these big cities because, you know, you look at the way, you know, things were run for so long, whether it's, you know, in an office building or, you know, if you're, if you're commuting from, from, you know, the suburbs into the big city to go to your office, do your thing. Well, a lot of people are realizing they don't have to go to the office anymore. They can be as productive from home. So I think it's real. there's, there's a big shift that's happening. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of settles after this thing goes away. I mean, like all of you, you actors are going to be, or people in LA with enough pull, your contracts may start to include things like, um, you know, uh, salary or uh, a portion of funds for jets so that you guys can get back and forth to where you want to go. <laughs> so you're like, look, I actually live over here. So if you yeah. want me, look, we're going to need an X amount of budget for the plane because, you know, I, I, I just, I like that idea. Could you be my agent? <laughs> yeah, sure. Could you negotiate that for me? Yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a boss. I'm a boss of companies and a boss of myself. And also I fight for, um, uh, you know, comfort. Like I want people when they're, whether they're working with me or I'm working with them, quality of life, mm -hmm. quality of life is of the highest of importance. So whenever yeah. I'm doing anything, I'm always asking questions about, <clears throat> well, what works for you? What's best? Do you want to do that earlier? Do you want to do that later? Maybe you can, we can do this here. You can leave early so you can catch the last flight home. It's like, all yeah. about quality of life because you know that's how you have sustainability well and that's how you keep people around you happy and wanting to keep doing a good job too yeah. you know if you're if you're if you're always dropping the hammer and people feel sort of repressed it doesn't necessarily equal quality of life and therefore they're not going to work as hard for you as they probably you know would if you totally Working out of fear or out of love or working out of you know working working for the love of it it's a really interesting point because I've worked, I've worked in a lot of those different situations. Sometimes you work, you work for somebody who is, you know, he, 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 he brings the hammer and everybody works out of fear. Therefore, everybody's just kind of trying to save their own ass on set. Yeah. Or you work for somebody who allows, gives people the creative liberty to go do what they do and it makes them more creative. And I think it makes the whole process that much better in the end. That was the way I, and, and having done this now for, I don't know, 20 some years and having seen like really small budget things and then seeing really big budget things and how different, how, you know, how like taking the best and sort of leaving the rest uh, is what I could try to, what I try to bring to, you know, the set on buddy games is that, okay, I'm going to, I've got these guys, I got a great cast. I've got, you know, I've got, a, I've got a great DP. I've got great, you know, costume people. The whole, I just made sure I had great people around me because I knew that I didn't know everything I needed to know to do it. That's so smart to know though. Oh yeah. And we just said a lot of no's there, but that's so smart to know that you don't know. Yeah. And I knew that I didn't know enough, but I knew that I didn't have to know everything. I just had to have good people around me that I would enable to go out and do their job so that they would want to 
they, they would go through a wall for me, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the kind of the, the, you know, the environment we tried to create. And even with the actors, I was like, you guys, you guys are here for a reason. We have, you know, this scene has to push the story forward and this is what we need from it. And then I just kind of let them, you know, we try to get what was on the page, but at the same time, we'd, you know, let them go too. And that is usually where you find the best stuff. What was that? I mean, obviously I'm getting the impression that of course you were, you were the, you were the one that was getting people to work out of love, but I'm super. <laughs> because I didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. We had to basically work for free. <laughs> you couldn't tell them what to do. They were like, <laughs> dude, I'm working for free. I'm going to do this. Um, I, that works too. Um, but what I'm so fascinated by, cause I know that it was a long process to get buddy games made. And, um, there's a lot of aspects of making it and what it took and the intention and the belief and everything. But let's just start with like, what the hell does it take to get a movie made? Oh, it's, it's a minor miracle that anything gets made. Yeah. I mean, I just went through that firsthand. I mean, we went through, we had more obstacles than I think most productions typically have. Uh, but I mean, we started, started writing this thing in 2014. That's how long it's been. We wrote it, rewrote it, wrote it, rewrote it, got it to a place where we, we felt comfortable taking it in or taking it out to the town. Took it to, um, actually one of the first people we took it to was WWE because we knew that they were trying to rebrand their, their, mm. their studio and not just do movies that had professional wrestlers, but you know, normal movies. And uh, Michael Luisi was the guy that, that was running the studio at the time. And he, he loved it. And he said, we love it, but we want to do this and that. So then you go into the rewriting process and he's like, and then you get in, then you have to start writing for like cost. Okay. So we'd love to, we'd love to jump the, you know, over the waterfall and down over through the city and crash through the window, but you know, it's going to cost too much money. You got to find another way to do it. So, you know, th it was the writing and rewriting that took about a year and a half and then it was getting it, the money and then it was getting the cast and then the shooting of it was all great. So it, it, all that stuff probably took me two year, two, three years probably to get it done and in the can. And then uh, midway through uh, editing the movie, we got, we got, uh, Michael got let go from WWE. He had, there was a power struggle at the top and he got let go. So now my guy who was cheerleading me the whole time was gone. And then I knew that the thing was probably gonna be in trouble because the people that were there then, I didn't trust had my back with it or weren't going to do what he would have like gone the extra mile that he would have gone. And that kind of turned out to be the case. So I ended up buying the movie back from WWE. So then I, then because I didn't, because they were just going to sort of put it out there and not do with it what I thought it was going to do because we'd seen it perform and we'd, we'd put it on screen for a couple test audiences and it just killed. I mean, the people like lost their shit watching the movie. And I was like, Oh my God, they think it's, I didn't think people were, I didn't know if people were going to think it's funny because it was it's so it's pretty raunchy. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's pretty raunchy. And, but they, they died laughing and I was like, Oh my God, they think this is funny. And then, so when they were going to sort of just put it out and, and just sort of not put everything they had behind it, I decided that I wasn't going to let it go out like that. And, Bought it back from them, 
that took about another year, just the legalities of all that. And then it was, uh, we're then, then finally we get that done. Then COVID hits. So we have to wait another year. And then finally I just said, let's just put it out. We just have to get this out there. I don't want to wait any longer. This thing is ready. And, uh, Saban, the, the company that distributed and Paramount, uh, came through and decided to let me put it out over Thanksgiving weekend, which was huge for us because it did really well. And it went number one, right? It did. It did. Our little movie that could, it really was. It was like this little movie so that, cool. that went through so much, you know, so many battles just to get it across the finish line and then to see it perform. I was literally in my, in my car with my son. <clears throat> I think it was, I was taking him to school and we were stopping at McDonald's, I think, to get like an Egg McMuffin. <laughs> out of the year and and so and i get a call from the head of the uh, jonathan saba over at saban saying that we just got to number one and i literally i, I my I, my eyes started welling up and i like this tear my, my son's like dad are you okay what's going on i was like no i'm okay i'm good i'm good i'm good we went number one he's like yeah you went number one he doesn't know what that means but he knew how much it meant to me but it was one of those moments because it was like a, this rush of just, I don't know what it was, but when we, you know, to know that we at least um, were performing was a big deal. Yeah. Because believe me, I've had, plenty of them, I've had plenty of them that haven't done that. And sure, you know, so. Man, that's so cool. I, I, it makes me sort of, I think about like the mental aspect and the manifesting aspect of life a lot. <clears throat> and what kind of creates your reality. And the one thing I kept thinking about with your story with this movie, and it's your it's the first one that you've written and directed, right? Yeah. That's yeah. also amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, is this power of belief? Mm -hmm. And 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 I I I'm curious uh, if you felt like this was part of the magic or what was the magic in finally getting it made? Because um, I feel like there's some things in my life that have happened where I'm like the things that I just like believed, I don't know why, like blind faith on why something that something was going to work. And then they do yeah. under mm -hmm. all odds and obstacles. It still happens. And, um, then there are other things that you think are a no brainer that don't. And so I feel like that's something that maybe you had with this project. And I'm wondering why you had that. Such a good question because it's true. I did have this belief in this thing yeah. and partly because I've, I'd seen it, like I said, I'd seen it perform when we put it in front of a bunch of people that were just off the streets and we had video of them just like literally like like curling over laughing. I was like, Oh my God, they think it's, they like it. They think it's funny. They get my sixth sense of humor. Uh, and so, but I did, I believed in it before that, you know, I'd never, I'd always wanted to direct, but I didn't know, I didn't know if I had the ability to, you know, lead a hundred, a hundred crew members. You know, I didn't know if I, I knew that I could do it, but I didn't know if I, like we said before, I didn't know if I knew enough, but I, then I realized I didn't have to know everything, but I knew that we made a good movie. I knew that we made a funny movie and I believed in that much for sure. It was just a matter of making sure that we got somebody behind us that also felt the same. Yeah, yeah. And having somebody like Paramount, having somebody like Saban helped me sort of at least 
get it out there on a good weekend where people were going to be available. Um, it has so much to do with it because if you don't have the right weekend or for, if you're up against something that's just going to crush everything else, it makes it hard because, you know, this whole thing has been about belief and trusting that, you know, just buying the thing back from the studio. Nobody does. I remember, I, I remember I told that, to, I told that my attorney, I'm, we're buying it, I'm buying it back. He's like, okay, you got the biggest balls I've ever seen. Nobody's ever done that. But I felt like we had to do it because I felt like it needed, it, it needed that, it needed a real shot. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't take big swings, you're not going to ever, you know, hit a home run. Well, that's something that clearly comes through as I was sort of reading and watching mm -hmm. some videos and things like that in preparation to know some more details about you and your life and all the things you've been working on is that it became really clear to me how um, fearless is the word that I kept thinking, um, but um, focused or um, like almost like blinders. Like you just seem like there's an ability for you to just stay focused on something until um, either something better comes along or it happens. Mm. Is this, am I reading the situation? Well, I, yeah, there's definitely, I think that there's, I, I would say the same thing about you, by the way. I mean, my goodness. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that you, in order to do, first of all, I don't think you can have a plan B. You have, it has to be, yeah. it has to be success or nothing. And, right. and, I, totally. and I, I was going to be a dentist. I was going to go to dental school. I got my degree in biology. And after I sort of, you know, you're going to be a dentist left that behind. I didn't have a plan B anymore. It was like, okay, so this is, I don't, you know what, I'm, if I don't, if I don't make it, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Um, and so I never really had a plan B. So I had to figure out how to make it work. And, um, I remember Peyton Manning said something about that one time. He goes, you know, I think he was a choice between Denver and another team. And they said, how do you know you made the right choice? He goes, what if you make the wrong choice? He goes, I'm not going to make the wrong choice because I'm going to make this choice work. Mm. And that's sort of, that's sort of the mentality that you have to have or that I've had to have because, and I still do, I don't have anything else. I have to make this work. And if, and I don't know if it's just purely out of, you know, desperation or fear or just blind belief or just stupidity. Uh, you know, I, even on my first, there was a, I was on All My Children was my first job as an actor. And I had no, I had no business being on the show because I had no, I had no experience. And I felt like I'd faked my way onto this show. And my mom had watched soap operas my whole life. So I knew sort of what, what was expected or what kind of what, and I, and I'd been taking classes and I'd been doing, I, it's not like I just like walked out there and, but I was really green and I was extremely nervous. <clears throat> and I just remember going, okay, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to make, I'm going to make a splash and I'm, and, and I'm either going to sink or I'm going to swim. And so I just tried shit, crazy shit on that show that, that people weren't really used to. 
and and it started to work and people started to like take notice and that was when i first said oh my god they're, I've, I, and i still sometimes feel like i'm faking it um, or that i'm a big fraud or whatever but it was it was it's that you know desperate um i don't know if desperate is the right word it's uh it's a reckless sort of abandon that mentality that I have that you just have, you got to go for it. You can't be afraid. And that was how I got the first job. It was like, I, I just literally had, there was a scene where I had to lose. I had to like, like it was like this, he was screaming or something. And I remember I just lost it. And when it was that moment when I was like, okay. And I remember seeing the casting director going, I could see him the look in their eyes that I got the job. And it was like letting go and just being not afraid of looking stupid anymore in an audition. Cause I always walked into these auditions thinking I look like an idiot. They're making fun of me as soon as I leave. And that was, uh, you know, that was kind of when I realized that you just got to go for it. Otherwise you're just going to half-ass it and never really go anywhere. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. The two things that come to mind are, is that really you? Is that you, the reckless, abandoned, just go for it guy? And so I'm curious if that shows up in your personal life, you know, when you're riding snowmobiles or something like that. Are you like, yeah, let's just jump that. Who cares? Or because it's the same thing with buddy games and pushing the limit and making mm -hmm. it this extreme comedy that's mm -hmm. like, whether it's that or whether it's your auditions, it's like, is that actually you or are you, um, I, is this sort of just like, I don't know, is this, is this like an aspect where you are actually meeting a flow state? Cause there, uh, there's also a dynamic of forcing things versus flowing. And when you kind mm. of flow and sort of let like the natural sort of evolving and yeah. path open up for you. And it tends to lead to, to really magical things and really good places. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always some effort along the way that needs to be oh, yeah. So it's this balancing act of forcing and flowing. So is that where you actually reach your flow state then where you kind of go, I'm just going to let go. Whatever comes yeah. out, comes out. And so you yeah. have this like perfect sort of actually it's really perfect because you get things done you get in mm -hmm. the door and mm -hmm. then you allow yourself to be vulnerable which is so rare so which one i mean or, or maybe you're both maybe it's both well no i think that's god you're good at this you could be like a th you could be my therapist danica i don't know this <laughs> that uh it is i mean i think that i've always had this 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 sort of contrarian sort of approach. Like I don't want to do what other people are doing. I'm trying to do things that are different because I feel like I've had to sort of prove myself in other, in ways that, you know, there's expect, there's people that expect a certain something from me, but I'm always trying to prove them different. You know, the people are always trying to put you in some kind of a box and you have to fight your way out of it or that's where you're going to be. And So I think that, yes, there it, I, there's a lot of hard work that goes into finding that flow state. I beat myself up. I mean, especially if there's a, if we're, for an, as an example, I guess with, if you got to get, if there's a scene where you have to be, uh, like Jupiter's Legacy, for example. Because this is a new TV series that's coming out in 2021, it'll, right? Yeah, 2021, it'll be out. Mm -hmm. um, and there was the, this character loses his mind. He loses, he, he's, he, he, see, he witnesses his dad jump off this building after the crash in 29. 
and uh, starts to lose his mind. And like, I don't know how to lose my mind. I'm fairly, I mean, maybe I'm, I mean, maybe I, maybe, maybe I have lost my mind. I don't know, but I had to get to this place. And for me to get there, I'm sure that there's, there's proper ways to do it. There's, you know, if I, if it had gone up, you know, like Juilliard or something, they would have taught me, this is how you actually get there. But I had to figure it out on my own. I had to figure out, okay, so I had to work myself into this place that was so like, you don't want to be around me when I'm doing, it's not because I have to like literally lose my mind for that seven hours on set and, or at least be able to be close to it so I can jump back in and out of it between setups or takes or whatever. And so I would, I learned this early on too. I just had to like beat myself into a place that I got, that I felt like I was there. Mm. And then when I was there, I was able to flow mm. because I couldn't just, I couldn't pretend it. I had to actually be it. I had to be that, you know, I had to be this crazy person for this amount of, for this, for this, it was like two episodes of the show. And it was, it's exhausting. And I remember, you know, it was just so hard. I'd go home from work, just exhausted. And like, so it's, it's, it's either therapeutic or it's really damaging. I don't know. It's one of the two. Well, it depends on what you had to think of to make yourself go crazy. Yeah. What did you have to think of to make yourself go crazy? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm kind of, I kind of black out. I think about it. <laughs> I I mean, for me, I, I had this experience just the other day. I was talking to my therapist and something triggered me. And then I was distracted while she was talking and she could see I was and I almost didn't tell her. And then sure enough, the next thing that happened, there's a message that comes in and it comes across my computer because it pops up on the side. And then I thought of that being something bad too. And all of a sudden I realized I spiraled real quick and it has never happened with her before, but it was a really interesting moment to observe Mm. how quickly I realized how quickly getting to a certain mindset and, and state of mind thought process put me there for everything. All of a sudden, everything was, everything was an attack. Everything was dangerous. Everything was threatening in some kind of a way to my happiness. And um, I wonder like, as that being an example, I wonder how it goes for an actor because I work really hard to stay happy (laughs) and not have those moments. Um, But you guys you guys do that for a living and what's the repercussions of that? Well, I, I, first of all, I think that what you do or did for, for many years was took far more focus than what, what anything I've ever done yet. You know, I feel like I have to be hyper-focused just to stay in that place, just to, just to, you know, so I don't, because if anything hits me and I get out of it, then I'm like, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. I got to like stay in this spot while I'm, you know, for the, for the, for the duration of at least this scene, then I'll go out of it for a little bit. I'll come back in. But I mean, I think you would understand that more than anybody, the amount of focus, the, the hyper focus that it takes to stay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, in it and be able to like to drive a car that fast and to not, you know, kill yourself. I mean, you're, I mean, I'm just on the set. You're in a car going 100 and 
whatever mile. How many miles an hour did you go? Couple. Couple. I mean, 100? probably it, everybody always zero? wants to know top speed. I mean, I, I mean, two hundred was very normal. Yeah. IndyCar is probably more of a top speed of like two forty at Indy, but stock cars is maybe like I don't know top speed of maybe more like two twenty five. Right. Um, and Indy, Indy cars are what? More like two forty top speed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I drove. I dro- did I do-, do you know that I drove the the pace car? Oh God! Yeah, what year was that? Hang on, that was recently. I'd have to look. I think it was like two thousand. Couple of years ago. Nine. Oh, was it no, that? No, it, it, it was a while ago. It was oh. 2009 or 11. I don't know. But I got to see first because I'm not a fast driver. I'm not like, I'm not a guy that's out there tearing up the streets. So for me to go into the corner like that at that speed was terrifying because I was like, there's no way the car is going to hold. And then, and then, you know, I'm just driving the pace car, working my way up to, I think, the 120 is the highest we got, or maybe 140. And then those just fly right past you going 240 miles an hour like I'm standing still and that's when I realized that these people are a different breed to be able to get in those cars I'm gonna I mean I'm gonna contest that because what I was gonna draw a parallel between was that you I asked you what you did to get into that state of Uh rage and anger and go crazy Um, and you said I don't really remember and what I thought of was how when we're at the, when I was be at the track and I would meet people and then see them again and I'd be like, hi. And I made the mistake way too many times going, oh, nice to meet you. They go, I already met you before. Mm. And then after enough times of them telling me that they met me at the racetrack, mm. I had to tell them, I was like, oh, mm. if I met you at the racetrack, I don't remember that very right. much right. because you're not all there. Right. So it's a different brain state. You're in yeah. a different state. It's an altered state. Yeah. So I don't think that it's now look, are you going to die on set less likely than in a race car? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you aren't accessing a different space. Yeah. And that might be what makes it easier to flip the switch on and off is that it isn't you. Yeah. And that's part of the beauty of it, by the way. That's why I love it is I get to go like, Oh, it gets in. Oh, I get it. It gets into the, you get to go crazy. You get to access being different because you, you like being different. I get to, yeah, I get to go pretend for a living. I get to go, you know, I, I get to do things that I would never be allowed to do in real life. They, they would literally put me in a, in a, in a rubber room, you know, or a padded room. They would put me away and, and that's, you know, you get to, and whether it's, you know, playing this guy who loses his mind for, you know, a period of time or getting to play goat farmer or getting to play, you know, a lieutenant in the military, whatever it is, it's just a different, you get to like lose yourself and there's a freedom in that, you know, and, and you don't have to be you for a while. And it's kind of fun not having to be you. All what has been some of the more like fucked up sort of roles or characters that you've been able to be where you did it and then afterwards you were like god that felt so cool to be that person for a hot second (laughs) oh man um there i mean there's a lot of times when it's really exhilarating and fun and a little scary that it is actually exhilarating and fun because that's what i mean which ones which ones well 
it depends on, I mean, it, they're, they're all, everything is different. Every, that's another reason I love getting to do this is every job is a different adventure. Everyone's a, it's a different, you know, journey. And so I remember getting, there was a, I did a show called 112263. It was a Hulu show about, it was a Stephen King book based on this, the, um, the, the assassination of JFK and how this guy goes back. J James Franco actually goes, he goes, finds this wormhole in this diner and it takes him back to the same point in time. Every time he goes back, it's always the same spot. And anyway, he tries to go back and stop this dude from, from hurting one of his students. Like his student is now, he's actually, he's a, he's, a, he's a janitor at the school that he teaches at. And he does like these after school sort of um, education classes. And this guy's mentally not there because of what his dad did to him all those years ago. Well, when he goes back through, he tries to stop that his dad from doing that to his son. And he was a murderer, drunken, like rage. And I was that guy. And easily probably the most, messed up character I've ever played because this guy was the worst, like the worst kind of human, but it was kind of fun to play it because I was just like, Oh God, I get to, like nobody's ever cast me to play this dude. And it was, you know, he was a terrible human being. And I don't know if I had so much fun in it, but I found there, I found it interesting to like live that for a little bit, you know, it's like, Whoa, like you gotta be pretty fucked up to do what this guy did. And for me, like I said before, I have to go into that space and actually believe that I'm yeah. this dude. And and it was crazy. I mean, another thing, I just I just did finish this thing in Mexico City, this movie called Blackout. It'll, we finish it this week here. But it's about this guy that blacks out. He gets in this car accident and completely, he wakes up and doesn't remember who he is, doesn't remember anything. He, he gets some, something happened to his head. And he really, when he wakes up, he realizes that he has all these abilities to like kick ass and you know, he's got, he, he handles guns and he does, and he's, he was like a badass. And there was a scene where this this one this 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 Mexican uh, cartel thug dude is after me, and we get in this big fight, and we're in this kitchen. I end up breaking this plate and stabbing him in the neck a bunch of times. And even we had like this rubber thing, and they had this fake blood. And I remember just going there and just doing it. I was like, and after we were done with the scene, like after he he they, they yell cut. I remember just like having this flood. I had like this flood of uh, emotion, like fuck. Can you imagine? I could never ever do that because it's, I felt like I had just actually done that to that dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's blood all over my hands, and it was just this weird so face. Okay, so there's a con. This bear with me for a second. This concept of we're all part of the same whole, right? Mm -hmm. We're all part of the same whole, and uh, Jordan Peterson is coming to mind. How he speaks about. Um, you know, the monster in you and, you know, things like that. And so understanding that we're all part of the same whole and that that would mean that every aspect of a personality is sort of within each of us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's who we are normally. Doesn't mean we access it. Yeah. But now thinking about that, it kind of gives me some insight into acting and how people can get there. Cause those aspects live in you just as they live in me, but an actor learns how to access them. Yeah. Is there any role, is there any role 
And it's scary when you do get there, when you go to a place that he could do something like he only does, he does it out of self-defense, but he does it pretty, it's pretty brutal how he ends up having to take this guy out. And I just remember like sitting there, like everybody had left the set. It was just me sitting there and I couldn't like, I couldn't like get it back together. I was just like overcome by this thing. It was weird. Oh, you had to like come down from it. You had to process it. You had to, well, you experience, you experience the real emotion. Yeah. Which is a real thing. And in fact, your body doesn't know the difference between that being a truth or a lie. Mm. Doesn't know that you haven't experienced it. Doesn't know that it was work and it was fake. It just has the feeling and that is real. Just like if you wanted to, um, just like the power of belief of the film being made, Buddy Games, like you, you believed it. You could see it made. You, you envisioned it. You you birthed that thing like you, it was real because you saw it. And so your body doesn't know that it hasn't like your reality. It it, it manifested it because you didn't know that it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. You saw it as if it was. You felt it as if it was. Yeah. So in those moments where you're like stabbing someone to death, you just had to deal with stabbing someone to death because your body can't tell that that didn't really happen because yeah. you felt the real emotion of it. Wow. That's kind of jacked up. I know it's messed up. <laughs> I know why we're all so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yep, totally. Like you guys are like, uh, you're like chameleons. You're like, um, wow, that's that's fascinating. I that's a really interesting unpack of an actor. Have you ever have you ever heard? Uh, do you ever? Do, you were talking about. Um, I feel like you probably have heard of this, like Oprah and Deepak's uh, 21 Day Meditation. I've heard of that. Yeah. There's one. There's one. Um, I do them like a, a, I'll sit at lunch and I'll just like listen to them just to sort of like send out for 20 minutes. Nice. There's one that talks about what you're talking about. It's called effortless creation. And it's, there's several of them, but this one's called the energies of the energy of attraction. Mm. And each one of this, each one of the days has a different story. And this one in particular is called effortless creation. Mm. So it's all about, it's all about like doing the work, doing the work, doing the work and then letting it go. Like for me, I've, I'd always try to hold on so tight and make things happen. But then when I realized that there's only so much you can do and then you just got to let the universe take over, that was kind of the way I had to like look at the, the like getting buddy games made is just do the work and trust that it's going to trust that it's going to, you know, happen the right way. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, that was luckily one of the ones that did. Were there any things that you can think of that, you know, you, you, you strangled to death? Like you hung on to something so hard that, cause the idea would be that if you want something so badly that there is um, an equal amount of energy that you think you're not going to get it, which is why you want it so bad. Right. You're grasping so hard with the fear that it's not going to happen. So essentially mm-hmm. you sort of negate the, and en- you negate the energy to make mm-hmm. it. Um is there anything you feel like in your life where you've been like, oh, you know what? I, 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 that I got in my own way there. Or like I blocked the flow. I hung on to that so long and I shouldn't have. That's, yeah, I've done that many times. I mean, I think that we probably all have. And, and it's, it's if you can f- figure out how to get, past that and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't but that's one thing like listening to that particular one really helped me go you know what she's right i just have to trust that 
you know, if you do the work and if you, and if your intentions are, if you set that intention and do the work to do it, there's a certain point you just got to let it go and just trust that it's going to happen or it's not. And that was, you know, it's hard to let it go, you know, especially when you're, I mean, I'm a, I'm somebody who has a hard time. Like I, I like to like force things to happen, but I'm starting to learn how to just kind of just trust and just do it. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And either way, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And that's an easy thing to say until you have to get into the moment of letting something go. And you're like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> so I always feel like for me, like, I, I, I don't know, I, I have a really easy time letting go of work stuff, but when it comes to like relationships, I'm a real grasper. Mm-hmm. And, um, is there, do you see this show up more? So like, are you easy breezy in certain aspects of your life? And then other ones you're like, man, you kind of really, you put almost all your energy into it and it tends to be the one that's got the most amount of issues. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably like you and that I hold on. I mean, I put, I mean, I think that's the perfect way to, to the perfect example is in relationships. Sometimes you want something to work out so badly that you do everything. And then ultimately you just fuck it up by trying too hard. Mm. And then we don't try as hard. It seems like it just comes to you. So it's like finding that balance between, okay, well, so I've, I, how do I do this? And how do, how do I do this? So I'm not, first of all, it's not codependent. I want it to feel like this needs to be like a, the two way street, <laughs> you know, it needs to feel like, you know, we're, we're equally, we're equals apart and we're stronger when we're together. But that's another thing that's hard. To, that's another, I mean, we, I could go on and on about this stuff, but I've, I've been broken enough as enough times to like, maybe not, hold on so tight and just sort of let it happen because maybe partly because I just don't want to get broken again. Um, and so I don't know how healthy that is, but it's a, I think it's some sort of a protective mechanism. I don't know. Go play that character in a movie. You'll figure something out, right? Go play the really, really super needy attached boyfriend who, you know, <laughs> or play the detached guy, play the anxious avoidant detached guy that like, you know, can't commit for the life of him and um, doesn't care and plays the field. And then maybe you'll start to sort of like understand the balance. Maybe. Hey, we should write it. It's a good idea. Okay. I mean, I, I'd actually be far more interested in the writing and more so the, in the directing than maybe the acting even. It's like this guy's a, he's, he's both a love attract, he's a love addict and a love avoidant at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> he loves the avoidance. Yes. I don't know. Or they're two separate movies, you know, or they're split personality. Yeah, there you go. What if you had a split personality character that was like one was a codependent and the other was avoidant? <laughs> that would be the most mind blowing. Conf- Let's not do that. That's going to mess people up. Do you feel like you've learned? I mean, have you learned some lessons about yourself through acting and being these, you know, like m- sort of just stuff about yourself? You're like, man, I didn't really know that I'd enjoy that so much. Or I didn't know that I actually kind of like, I, you know what, that, I don't allow myself to be like that enough. I should. Um, I want to say yes, but 
And I think I think that's probably that's probably true. I mean, I think that you can't you can't help but to learn to learn about yourself through the eyes of a different person, or at least be able to compare the two. Like, okay, I would never do that, or I should do more of that. Um, but am I able to sort of apply it to my real life? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Hmm. Which character has been the most you? <laughs> the most me? That character in eleven twenty two sixty three. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, I would say, I would say the uh, the most me would maybe maybe Messer from Life as We Know It. Some of it I did with Katie Heigl many years ago. I don't know. I think there's a little bit of me in all of it. You know, you have to. It, it, you have to, you, you have to, you know, put enough of you out there, but also have the have the fun of sort of finding, uh, finding aspects of you that aren't really there, and you got to find them. I don't know. I would, but I would say Messer probably. Um, has someone given you like what's the best advice someone gave you along the way when it came to acting? God, that's such a good question. Um, or I remember he didn't actually tell me this because I've never worked with him, but I remember that Tom Hanks said that just hit your mark and tell the truth. Mm. You know, and I think that that's really, at the end of the day, people watching anything know if you're telling the truth or not. And they can tell, they can, they can tell if you're acting from a mile away. So I've always just tried to find the actual, the, the absolute truth in, in it, whatever, whatever scene, whatever character, whatever, you know, project, just tell the truth. Uh, that's probably, that'd probably be it. Hmm. Did anyone give you some terrible advice at any point that you're like, yeah, that guy was an asshole. <laughs> like an agent telling you to take a role and you're like, that was the worst idea ever. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> I just, I don't remember anybody giving me bad advice. Uh, but I remember, I remember I would I always know that I was doing so I, I did a show called Las Vegas for like five years. Like a, yeah, really, I remember that one. I remember that early two thousands. That's like, where I really that's where I discovered you. I was like, who's that guy? Oh, really? Uh, well, anyway, so it was Jimmy. It was James Con, and he was he. You know, he's a legend. The dude is the Godfather and a million other things. My son now knows him from Elf from or Elf. Oh, buddy, the elf. It's on all day, every day right now. Uh, but I always knew that I was, that I wasn't, that I was doing something wrong or something. I could do, be doing it because he'd be like, Josh, come over here for a second. And, he'd be, and I was like, oh, God, here comes the kind of, you know, he'd tell me, he, he'd, so he'd walk me through, like, just relax or just, you know, you don't have to try. So whatever it was, he, would, he was not afraid to give me advice. And I took it because he's James Caan. And and I still to this day, I'll t if anybody's got a better idea, I'll take it. Um, try not to get too caught up in, in what, you know, you know, what I believe it is supposed to be. If somebody's got a better idea, I think that, you know, 
it, it, and it, it'll, it'll help me. Why not? Mm. So he gave you some good advice then. Oh yeah. I mean, always. I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable most of the time, but yeah. That's where the growth you don't is. Want, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like getting taken, you know, the, it's like the principal calling you into his office. So, like, Oh God, here we go. And he'd take me back to, you know, where there's nobody around and he'd start <laughs> talking about the scene and how, you know, you know, maybe not do that so much, or maybe, maybe a little bit more of there, whatever it was. But I was just, I would, again, I was, I was early on. I was right after all my children and I probably needed it. Everything shows up right on time. That's right. Even if it's difficult, shows up right on time when you need it. Um, so if you were to kind of like wave a magic wand and create your dream movie, goal, situation, show, like is there something out there that you're like, man, this is this is this is what I still want to do? I don't know. I mean, I never I never really know what I'm gonna what I want to do until I read it, until I see it. But if I'm, I mean, I know the types of people that I want to work with. I know the, the kinds of projects that I want to be a part of. You know, it's like dream it up and then let it go. Yeah. Set your intention. Let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it flow. <laughs> I'm super happy for you. Congrats on number one movie first ever time that you'd written and directed. I mean, what would you, you know, I love to ask people this at the end um, that, uh, you know, I love to under, love to get your take on whatever your greatest life lesson has been. I just think this is so helpful for people. Oh God. Okay. Um, my dad's given me a couple Great ones. Okay. One, he said, find a woman who sees the world from an optimistic point of view, mm. who, sees the who sees the world glass half full. Mm. Um, and find a girl who loves her father because uh, if she doesn't love her dad, she probably won't love you. Uh, but the most important one that he ever said was, this is when I first bought my the first part of my property at the at the lake. He said uh, it, we had to, we, the first thing I ever bought was this floating dock, and it was the only thing we had out there. We didn't have a boat, we didn't have a cab, we didn't have anything, and and we just were able to like take this trail back to this to this point. And we had this little dock out there, and it was early in the spring, and the water was free, like barely just had thawed out, so it was freezing cold, and I was just dying to jump in this lake because I oh, had goodness. my first day. So I was like, oh, I don't want to find out how to do it. And he's like, come on, be a brave soul. <laughs> and I still remember him saying that, be a brave soul. Hmm. And that is, I mean, that's like really good advice. It you know, is. and I tell my son that now. I was like, come if he's like afraid of something, I don't think he should be, be a brave soul. You know what I think? I bet you have some dreams for your personal life. I bet that's maybe that is where you focus your thoughts and efforts and ideas. Am I, am I off on that? What, what do you mean? Like, 
you know, have a family, have more kids, get married, live in Minnesota. You know, this is where I'll be. This is the kind of, you know, we'll we'll do these things. We're going to snowmobile and then we're going to go fishing. And then we're going to like, maybe, I don't know. I'm curious. Is that maybe an area of your life that you do really dream into? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's my life. Yeah. My life isn't, my life isn't my work. My life is my life. Um, You know, and if my life is good, the rest will follow. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, it's it's like if you, if you're happy, it's only going to help your work. It's only going to help all their other aspects. And, you know, I'm working on that. Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I'm frustrated with the world. Um, Sometimes you've just murdered someone in a scene and you're off. Yeah. And I'm just trying to, just trying to come down from that, you know? (laughs) Hey, were any people injured in the filming of buddy games? Yes. Dan (laughs) Dan Bacadol, Dan Bacadol actually got really hurt. He, he, there's this, there's this big, when you watch it and I know you're going to go watch it. There's a, there's a, there's this big giant slide. It's It's at the end of this obstacle course that I had them make. It was like, we couldn't believe we actually got them to build it because it was the most expensive part of the movie pretty much. And so, you know, it's this big slide that goes down and then it's supposed to kick and then, and then shoot up. Well, it just went down and then sort of kicked too quick. Well, he went down this thing feet first and started sliding sideways. And as he was hitting the side of it, they caught, hit, hit his leg on the side of it and got what they call a subdermal hematoma. And literally to this day, this is three years later, if not more, he still has a mark on his leg from his leg, almost worse than a broken leg because he literally, so we had to sit him down and stand him up between each take. Like he, he we should we shouldn't have been able to finish the movie because it happened exactly halfway through the movie. Oh so we literally had to body double him and put him back up and sit him down and lay him, you know, and, and he was completely disabled for half of the movie. So thank God he's such a stud and and fought through it otherwise we wouldn't have had the movie you had some real athletes out there huh oh yeah i mean nick swartzen is nothing if not an athlete Mm, mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. speaking of athletes uh do the vikings need any more fans because i'm up for grabs oh yeah we'll take you we'll take you come back come back from the dark side danica (laughs) we need you over here (laughs) all right well thank you so much all right and um and good luck with uh Jupiter's legacy too. Thank you so much. You're really good at this. That was fun. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to the pretty intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.